This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards. Whether you know her from her million copy and number one New York Times bestselling phenomena, Then She Was Gone, or her Good Morning America book club pick, The Family Upstairs, or even if you haven't read her at all, Lisa Jewell's Invisible Girl should be your must-read suspense novel of this fall. From her very first novel, Ralph's Party, which was published in the States way back in 1999, it was the best-selling debut novel in her native UK that year. Lisa has consistently written stories that are spellbinding and impossible to put down and, quote, touching, insightful, and gripping. Invisible Girl is Lisa's 18th novel, and while she has transitioned from chiclet mainstay to queen of domestic suspense in the last five years, selling over five million copies globally at the breakneck pace of publishing one book a year, she has never sacrificed quality for quantity. Her books only seem to get better and more compelling with each word that she writes. Lisa Jewell, number one New York Times bestselling author of 18 novels, including The Family Upstairs and Then She Was Gone, as well as Watching You and I Found You. Her novels have sold more than 4.5 million copies internationally, and her work has also been translated into 25 languages. Happy to have Lisa Jewell join me now here on Speaking of Writers. Lisa, welcome to this program. Oh, wow. Gosh, what an intro. Thank you for having me. That was wonderful. My, my... <laughs> I could just sat and listened to that all day. <laughs> <laughs> so can you give us a description of a visible girl in a few sentences? Um, I find it really hard to describe this book in a few sentences because it's really complicated and there's so much going on in it. And it's, it's seen from three points of view. Um, but I, I will try my best. Um, to keep it short. Uh, yeah, so Invisible Girl is about um, a child psychologist called Rowan Fors, um, a teenage girl called Saffron Maddox, um, and a loner, a young a young man called Owen Pick, um, whose lives intersect um, when Saffron Maddox, the Sapphire Maddox goes missing from outside her therapist's house um, on Valentine's night. So it's a missing girl drama, um, and it's told from three different points of view, and it's one of those kind of um, the ground keeps shifting as you're reading it, sort of books. You think you think you know um, what's happening, and then everything changes again. Um, yeah, and it's set in North London. So that that's a that's it in a nutshell. Number one New York Times bestselling author Lisa Jewell, my guest here on Speaking of Writers. Invisible Girl is her uh, new novel out now. Lisa, you often talk about the everyday events or things you've seen that inspire your novels. What was the kernel that inspired you to write this book? And did the characters come to you at once fully formed or did they develop over time? Um, yes, yeah, so the, the person I wanted to write about first, even though it, it, it's peopled by three main characters, um, it was actually Owen Pick, my loner, my 33-year-old um, virgin who's living in his aunt's um, spare bedroom um, and he's very lonely and he's a bit bitter and twisted. And he'd, We meet him when he's just um, been suspended from his job as a college lecturer because he's been accused of sexual misconduct by two of his female students. Um, and I wanted to write about him because I felt like I saw him on the street a couple of years ago um, I just saw this guy walking towards me through a snowstorm. It was three o'clock in the afternoon. There were school, little school kids everywhere throwing snowballs at each other. There were like yummy mummies trailing in their wake, clogging up the pavement. And he just came through this snow looking so 
dark and so gloomy and so disappointed in life. And I just wanted to write about him. Um, so, yeah, so he was the starting point of the book. And so I kind of made as many bad things happen to Port Owen as possible just because I was curious to see what he'd be capable of. You know, I write dark books. So I wanted to go dark with him. Um, and then I needed someone to to see him, to see him and feel uncomfortable around him. So I created this character called Kate, who's the woman who lives across the street from him, who thinks that he followed her daughter home from the tube station and got her eye on him. There are also some sex attacks going on in the local area, and she's very suspicious about him. Um, but then the main character, the, the invisible girl herself, Sapphire Maddox, um, she came to me quite late in the story, um, although she's in the prologue, so you might think from reading it that she was she was there from the beginning. But yeah, I just mentioned her in passing in an early chapter when I was writing about Kate looking through her husband's personal records and seeing the name of one of his patients, because um, he's, a, he's a psychotherapist for children. Sapphire Maddox had been self-harming, had something traumatic had happened to her when she was 10 years old. And as I wrote this down, I thought, I really, really want to get to know this girl who is Sapphire Maddox? What happened to her when she was 10 years old? Why has she been in therapy? Um, and so, yes, I just sort of implanted her into the story um, quite a way into the writing process. Um, and she just, yeah, she just took off, really, <laughs> quite unexpectedly. Lisa, do you always know what's going to happen in your stories before you begin writing? And what's your process like? Um, no, I, I, yeah, I start off with these tiny ideas, these tiny seeds and germs of ideas, and I plant them and I see what happens. And yeah, I can, I can add to that as I go. Um, and yeah, I mean, so for, I can't, I can't sort of say too much without spoilers, but so for example, uh, once I decided that Sapphire Maddox, um, would disappear, and that was going to be the main thrust of the novel, which, as I say, is quite an unexpected last-minute thing. Um, I didn't know as a writer where she'd gone. <laughs> I genuinely didn't know. I'd set up the scenario where she has been seen outside her therapist's house at midnight on Valentine's night by Owen Pick across the street. And that's as far as I knew. I didn't know where she'd gone. I didn't know she was alive or dead. I, don't, I didn't know why Owen had seen her or what he was doing outside his house at that time of night. I didn't know what her therapist had had to do with it. So I very much, I set scenarios in place. Um, and then I leave the door open, really, for any number of things to be the outcome. Um, so it kind of feels a bit like real life in that way, in that you can't predict anything. You can't stage manage the future in a way. You can try and plan for the future, but the future happens anyway. Um, and that's kind of how I approach writing books. I just leave, leave doors open. Number one New York Times bestselling author Lisa Jewell, my guest here on Speaking of Writers. Invisible Girl is her new novel. Lisa, how do you go about researching the particularly disturbing incel community that's in this book? And, and how much of the book is taken from real comments, forums, and characters you encountered online? Yeah, so the incel thing was, as I mentioned earlier, I put Owen into this book and threw a load of, 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 um, of challenges at him to see how far he would go. And then I thought it would be really, really interesting while he's at such a low ebb um, and feeling so bitter and twisted about um, women in particular um, and the world in general to introduce him to an incel forum. And I know there's quite a few people who don't know what an incel is. An incel is um, an abbreviation for uh, in involuntary celibate, which are men who identify as uh, not being just unlucky in love, but actually... Um, victimized by society by women um um and yeah it becomes a cause 
this idea that they have not got sexual partners. Um, so there's a lot of anger and a lot of misogyny in these online communities of men uh, who blame the world for the fact that they they haven't got a girlfriend. Um, so I didn't actually do that much research into it. I'd already I already knew about it. I was already fascinated by this concept. Um, it's an ideology, and it's a, a, clearly a twisted ideology. And I'd read articles. I'd seen um, there's a Netflix Netflix documentary about the incel community. Um, I think it was on last year. So I already had all that. And so the minute I decided that that would be a good thing to do to Owen, I didn't really need to do any more research. Um, I just used what I already knew. And I went onto Wikipedia and, and to you know, make sure I got the sort of terminology right um, and what have you. So, yeah, I'm kind of I try and avoid research as much as possible um, because, number one, because I'm quite lazy. Uh, um, but really, because it just I feel like it slows me down. I feel like the minute I have to stop and find out how something works, um, and learn about something new. It's stopping me from writing the story. So I try and sort of steer away from things, from things that are going to require too much in the way of research. Tell us about your path to becoming an author. I, I read something about your first book as part of a bet. Uh, yeah. So I was um, back in the 90s. I was a secretary um, in London, uh, living my best life, um, going to the pub every Friday night and what have you. Um, and with no intention of, of writing a novel whatsoever, it, it was something that I had on the back burner, something I thought that I would do when I was 50. Um, certainly not something I thought I had any right to even think about doing when I was 25 years old. And I hadn't even been to university. I didn't have a degree or anything. So I, it was not something that I really had given any serious consideration to um, until this crazy conversation I had with a, a friend of a friend and we were both drunk and we were talking about life um, and I just lost my job as a secretary and was telling her that I was going to sign up with some temping agencies and see if I could get a, a new secretarial job by temping for a while and she said there must be something else you want to do with your life and I said well, I'd like to write a book one day <laughs> thinking well you know don't, don't we all and for some reason she must have seen something in me um, I don't know to this day what made her do it, but she made me a bet that if I wrote three chapters of a book, she'd take me out for dinner to a, a restaurant of my choice. Um, so I did. Um, we were drunk. We shook hands. I, I fulfilled my side of the bet. She took me out for dinner to a nice restaurant. Um, and those were the first three chapters of my first novel. So it was one of those moments in life that, uh, you know, your fate pivots on these moments sometimes. And little did I know that because of that conversation, I'd be, well, here talking to you on the phone right now uh, about a 20-year publishing career. Are you working on another novel? And if so, can you give us a sneak peek into what it's about? Yes, I am about two-thirds of the way into my 19th novel. It is called The Night She Disappeared, which is kind of self-explanatory, really. Uh, it's, um, yeah, it's another missing teenage girl, but this time the, with the added um, element that she actually goes missing with her boyfriend. So it's a missing teenage couple. Um, they are young parents to a small baby. They live in a very um, well-heeled um, commuter belt village in the Surrey um, countryside. And they go to the pub on a Friday night. It's the first time they've been out without their baby uh, since the baby was born. They go out to the pub on the Friday night. When they're in the pub, they hook up with some kids from the college um, across the, the green from where they live. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a college for rich kids, uh, messed up kids, kids with issues. Um, and they end up hanging out with a group of kids in the pub, are invited back to one of their homes for a pool party and never come home. 
so that's that's the premise and it's really kind of like a cold case thing because the book starts two years after they disappeared with a new clue being unburied so that's my next one and finally, Lisa, you've made a big transition from contemporary fiction to suspense recently. What inspired that transition? Was that always the goal? And, and have your readers followed you across the genres? Uh, yeah, no, it wasn't always my goal. It was certainly always my favorite genre in terms of reading. And I did know when I was writing romantic comedies at the beginning of my career, I didn't know that I would like to go darker and darker. I didn't think I might ever end up in the thriller genre. Um, that happened really organically and really gradually. Um, you know, over 18 books, over 20 years, I've had time to just sort of do it very slowly. And I never, ever wanted to um, scare my readers off. Um, and I'm happy to say touch wood um that i have kept my original readers with me the ones who were there at the start with ralph's party i hear from them all the time that they feel like they've grown up with me as a writer and that they wanted to read romantic comedies when they were in their 20s and they're now in their 40s and 50s and they want to read domestic thrillers so i feel quite grateful that i've been allowed to grow and develop and change as a writer and never had to stick in a rut um and that i've kept my original readers with me which is yeah a real gift i'm so grateful that that it's worked out that way and listeners can connect with you on twitter at lisa jewel j-e-w-e-l-l-u-k on instagram at lisa jewel uk and on facebook at lisa jewel official lisa jewel the author the book out now is invisible girl lisa thank you so much for joining me thank you for having me and this is speaking of writers